Hello, everyone. Welcome to Investor Hot Seat. My name is Dustin Robinson, and I am your host. We have a great episode for you today with Dr. Molly Malouf uh, from Adamo Bioscience. By way of background, I'm the managing principal of Eater Investments, which is an investment fund focused on early stage psychedelic companies. Uh, really, what, what reason we started this is that we saw that there were a lot of different media companies that were co covering psychedelic companies, but they really weren't asking the questions that, as an investor, I wanted them to ask. The tough questions that really CEOs need to be prepared to answer. So that's why we started this. Our our purpose here at Investor Hot Seat is to ask those difficult questions and make sure these CEOs are prepared to answer them. A uh, quick disclaimer, since this is about investing, this is not a solicitation for investment. And we do encourage you to check out our psychedelicinvest.com homepage where we have the full terms and conditions of watching this. We are very excited for today's episode. The agenda for these for the investor hot seat is we start with a five-minute presentation from a CEO. That's followed by a 30-minute Q&A from me. And then we reserve five to 10 minutes for the audience to ask any questions that they want. So if you have any questions, you don't have to wait till the end. You can just drop them in the comments box and we'll make sure we get to them uh, at the end once I'm done with my questions. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Dr. Molly Malouf, the CEO of Adamos Bioscience. Uh, she's going to give a, a presentation, and then I'm going to follow up by a Q&A. So you have five minutes, and you're on the clock, Dr. Molly. Awesome. Hi. So my name is Dr. Molly Malouf. Just to give you a little background about me, I started um, my medical practice about 10 years ago, and I was focused on just, I was really focused on optimizing health, not just fixing sickness, but trying to understand how do you measure and amplify health. And one of the things that I discovered in my you know process of learning was that health is the ability to adapt and self-manage in the face of adversity. And so initially, when I was in my practice, I was really focused on measuring and, and understanding metabolism, understanding movement, understanding sleep, understanding stress. And I figured out ways to measure these things qualitatively and quantitatively. Uh, I was asked to teach at Stanford because I kind of developed a reputation in Silicon Valley for being a doctor to executives, investors, and entrepreneurs. And um, they wanted me to teach a class on health span which is how do you live as long as possible without disease? And I'd also concurrently, while I've been building my medical practice, I worked for the over 50 different companies in clinical strategy, product development, clinical research, and scientific marketing. So when I was teaching at Stanford this course on health span, I discovered something really important that I had missed in my practice, and that was the importance of human social connection. And what kind of blew me away was that, you know, there was this entire field of longevity and anti-aging medicine that had been developed, and yet, probably two of the, like, if you actually were to look at the numbers, like the real things that really get people are met metabolic diseases. And turns out that social disconnection contributes to a whole host of problems. But social connection actually is one of the greatest factors we know associated with long-term health and happiness. So when I discovered that, I was like, how could I have missed something so important? And then I started looking into the research, like what is social connection? How do you measure it? How do you improve it? And I realized it was actually quite a new field. But if you look at all the blue zones around the world, the one thing that they all all have all have in common is that the more connections a person has, the more interactions a person makes with others, the longer that they live. And so one of the biggest problems that we discovered during the COVID-19 pandemic was that people had become more disconnected than ever. I'm sure many of you out there who've experienced the isolation of quarantine realize that it really did a number on your nervous system. And I myself, having, um, after having gotten vaccinated, I went and started traveling and visiting with my friends and community all over the country. And I discovered a massive shift in my well-being and my mental health after I had started spending time with people that I cared about. Um, this was around the same time of the psychedelic revolution really being ignited. I started this thing called the Psychedelic Club on Clubhouse. And I discovered that there was quite a lot of people in the world who were interested in gathering and talking about psychedelics. One of the things that I'm sort of staking a claim around in my company is that there's really four ways people are using psychedelics in society today. There's medicinal, pharmaceutical. There's this whole world of people investing in companies and clinics that are bringing psychedelics through the medical field. And then there's spiritual. There's about 15 different um, psychedelic churches in Austin alone. So there's quite a lot of people that are encountering psychedelics through spiritual spaces. And then there's also the recreational companies like Delic. I'm friends with you know the founders there. 
they throw conferences, they have a brand that's really about the psychedelic recreational uses of, of these medicines. And then there's what I'm really trying to focus on, which is how humans have been using these from the beginning of time, which is for pro-social behavior, for increasing intentional social connections, for helping keep people bond and create deeper relationships. And part of the reason why my company has pivoted to CBG education and, um, and like media is we believe that social connection could actually help save our country. And we believe that part of the reason why we're struggling so deeply as a country is because we are no longer united. So our aim is to actually show people through the lens of evolutionary biology and molecular biology and modern neuroscience that social connection can extend and enhance your life. And we intend to do this in a few different ways. The first way we're doing this is we are developing an education, an education platform. A lot of people say that there's no money in education, but what we're doing is creating a product that anyone can take and then anyone can teach. And if you teach this course, you get to pay to teach the course. And the more people you te teach, the more money you make. It's similar to how franchises work or similar to how, um, you know, real estate firms work um, or lawyer lawyers work, you know, in large groups. We are intending to spread this virally and build this out through a, a um, affiliate model. Um, it's te te tentatively titled Human 101 because it's literally going to give you everything you didn't learn in school that you should have learned to stay as healthy as possible. That would include metabolism, movement, mastering stress, and social connection, sexuality, love, and attachment. These are things that I should have been taught in medical school. These are things I should have been taught in residency. These are things I should have been taught in high school and college. I was not taught these in school and neither were you. And we believe that our country needs to learn these things because the biological imperative is based on survival and reproduction. Thank you. Your, your time is up. Thank you so much, Molly. And, you know, social connection and love is just such an important topic. And, you know, I want to, before I jump into my questions, just thank you. We've been, Dr. Molly Maloof and I have been friends for quite some time and she's educated me quite a bit on the importance of social connectedness and, and love. Um, and so I just wanted to, to give you a quick shout out and, and thank you for, for the education you've provided to me. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I've learned so much myself in the last year of my life. Just studying love for a year has literally transformed all of my relationships, my relationships to my parents, my relationships to my friends. I manage conflict better. I have more skills and tool sets in my toolbox. And I just feel like I have superpowers now because I, that I didn't have before, which is really it's really transformative when you really understand this stuff. Well, so speaking of conflict, I'm going to take off the nice guy hat and we're going to jump into some of the tough questions since we are on investor hot seat. So, you know, I know you've been on this journey to launch Adamo for quite some time, over a year. You and I have been talking about it and we've been, been sharing ideas. When you first started, you really wanted to focus on biotech, but you've mm -hmm. recently made a serious pivot away from biotech. And as an early stage investor, we usually invest in seed or series A. Companies pivot all the time. Yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes they take a lot of time and they spend a lot of investors' capital before making that pivot. Uh, you managed to pivot relatively early in the maturation of the company. So I want to understand a little better um, what really inspired you to make this pivot away from biotech. Um, there's a, a few things that inspired me. The big one was um, I'd spent some time, and this is going to sound a little crazy, but I spent some time uh, in the last year on my time off um, going to places like Hawaii and swimming with coral and seeing the bleached coral was pretty shocking. But then I went to Antarctica and it was the hottest day in recorded history, um, 70 degrees. And I was there for that. And when you witness a part of the world that is supposed to be cold and it's hot, it kind of lights a fire under your butt, literally and figuratively, to move faster. And one of the things that I realized about the path that I was on was that even though we have a working drug and even though we have a drug with very few side effects, you know, building an upgraded version of MDMA may not be the best use of our time and resources when MDMA is right around the corner of getting approved. And our drug would take probably 10 years and $500 million minimum to get approved. And being a combination drug, it was going to part is going to be a particularly challenging approval process because the FDA doesn't like um, combination drugs, but the FDA doesn't really pay attention to combination supplements. And so um, all of the ingredients that we're working on for the supplement we're, we're using to be essentially an in like an entry level MDMA like experience for people, for consumers, all of our ingredients are considered generally recognized as safe. And so it's the combination of these ingredients that creates the effect. Now we're not intending it to be as crazy of an experience as MDMA is, um, but we can 
because I have spent over a year in understanding the neurobiology of intactogens, it's actually possible to reproduce some of the experience of MDMA using nutraceuticals. So it would be, it's going to be a fraction of the cost to launch a new supplement. It's about a million dollars. And, um, and I have some great, I mean, I actually launched a supplement line during the pandemic for only $30,000 with a team. So um, it's definitely doable and far more affordable to launch a nutraceutical. And we believe that, you know, we can develop psychedelic um, protocols that we can license to different pharmaceutical companies. And really our aim is to be sort of the leading, the leading uh, company around social connection in all its forms. Um, and we really believe that enhancing social connection is going to actually have many downstream effects on not only mental health, but also physical health. So we're working with Harvard right now to write a white paper on how social connection enhances physical health and longevity and mental health. And then we're also working with uh, Princeton on developing new measures for social connection. So we really have a science first approach, but we have, but we're building a consumer brand. And the aim is, is to give people a brand that they can trust because it's grounded in good science, but also a brand that is very relatable. And we're, not, we're actually gonna rebrand it, probably not Adama Bioscience, but we're gonna give it a new name very quickly. The aim is to actually develop all sorts of products eventually. Once we've once we've built our network of, um, of facilitators and people who are are essentially going to be providing the integration services for the course, we are going to um, develop new products along alongside that. So our our goal is to start to launch the course, launch the nutraceutical, and then eventually and then use the educational media, by the way, as a means of advertisement, but also to really get across the emotional. Um, the emotional message we want people to feel when we talk about these problems of society. And then from there, we will be expanding to other products and services, things like podcasts and things like other food products. Got it. And, and so from what I understand, it sounds like you have three pillars. You have mm -hmm. the media, the education, and then you have the supplement. Right. Um, you know, a lot of times as an investor, we get worried that that companies are doing too much, you know, rather than just being great at any one thing. And you kind of talked about the interconnectedness of these three pillars, but I'd like you to give a little bit more detail about why you think it's necessary to have all three of these pillars as opposed to just focus, focusing on one of these pillars and just being great at one of them. Yeah. Well, first off, um, you know, I've had some really great mentors in my lifetime and also met some really great entrepreneurs. And some of the most interesting people I've met include people like Phil Libin from Evernote and then Amanda Tress from the Faster Way to Fat Loss. And these companies were not single product companies. They had a flagship product. They had the single product that was making most of the money, but they provided all sorts of cool products to their you know, followers. And it can be done. It's, I mean, if you look at Tesla, they, they have like, I'm not trying to be Tesla, but they certainly have cars, but they make fun consumer products because it enhances the brand and enhances the entire mission and ethos of the company. It keeps people excited about, the, about what they're doing. The reason why we have media involved is because, honestly, you can't be a brand today without a media presence. You can't actually get your voice across without having an, a, you know, a megaphone because there's so much noise. And I would, I would say that um, media is one of my strong points. It's one of those things that doesn't, it's not that, it's not that time intensive. Um, you, you, you produce a good amount of media in a weekend and then you can have an entire team of people chop it up for you and turn it into you know, content for months. So we're talking to um, Icon Media in LA and we really love their team. They worked with Jay Shetty um, and you know, they've, they basically presented us with, an, with a really interesting um, strategy on how we would work with them. But our strategy is currently not to start a podcast until we have built our following a little bit bigger and then eventually start a podcast later on, um, probably sometime next year. So um, we're going to be doing a big podcast push over the next six months, and then we will be slowly starting to develop our social media accounts and starting to put out more video content. And once the, once the, um, the, the course launches, we'll want to create media just to get people excited about what the course is about. I'll, on top of that, the course is going to have quite a lot of video media in it. So part of the reason why we have actually rented a space in Austin is because we're going to be producing a lot of the media in this space. And we're going to be gathering people together to go through a lot of the scenarios that we're going to be describing in the course on how would you, you know, manage um, conflict in your relationships or how would you enhance social connection in, in your, you know, romantic relationships, things like that. Got it. Well, so, you know, most products, I guess, from what I'm hearing, you know, most products, you're right, Tesla, they have a media arm. They're also trying to educate the public, but it's really to push their product at the end of the day, right? They're not separate 
revenue generating pillars. So I guess from a, a revenue split perspective, is your expectation that the education and media pillars will really just drive more revenue and more awareness around your, your supplement? Yeah. Uh, or I mean, do, you, do you see them all kind of generating equal types of revenue? Um, I mean, I don't know if our educational media is going to aim specifically for revenue initially. However, if we do start a podcast, um, you know, if you look at companies like, I mean, I don't really want to compare myself necessarily to um, Bulletproof or Dave Asprey, but Dave did create a lot of revenue through his podcast. We don't want to be the kind of company that people pay to promote their products. We want to be the kind of company that you can trust is going to promote products that they really believe in. Um, so our aim for our educational media is to really promote the brand and the message of the company and to get people signed into the brand and the products that we're selling. Um, it's really to be a, like, we believe that, you know, frankly, a lot of people are deficient in sufficient education to be a healthy human. And that's a real shame. And as, as a country, we're experiencing so many diseases of despair, so many, so, so many, um, so many conditions of social injury that could deeply be deeply prevented if people understood the ramifications of their actions towards others. And, um, I actually think that, you know, this is, this is, we're in a state as a country where like, we are literally, I mean, if you've read Ray Dalio's book, like lack of unification has major consequences for our country. So if we don't start learning about these topics, we may not have a country in the next 50 years. And that's scary to think about. So the way I'm thinking about this is like, we don't have a choice, but to put a megaphone out there, we would be doing people a disservice by just trying, and also our investors a disservice by trying to sell this course frankly, on its own, like you have to promote what you're selling. That is literally the game of a brand today. Um, and, you know, if we were going through doctor's offices, we'd be marketing doctor's offices, but um, we're not doing, that's not really our strategy today. We may consider um, our supplement sold in physician's offices or, or even therapist's offices, but as it's, as it's, as we are trying to make it as available to people as possible, it's, it's largely going to be aimed toward consumers. Um, so the first social connection tool will be the MDMA alternative. And then we anticipate doing supplements for sexuality, supplements for, um, energy, fertility, um, and, you know, eventually other, other facets of energy production. Got it. And I want to spend some time on each of those pillars and you've gone, gone through a little bit of each pillar, but let's, let's focus more on the education pillar first. So sure. we've seen a lot of different educational platforms in the psychedelic industry. Our fund has invested in fluence for example which really trains clinicians on on how to do psychedelic therapy we also they see companies like third wave that are training coaches they're really more focused on kind of the the spiritual and recreational uh education there what is it about your education platform that's different from you know there's probably about a half a dozen to a dozen other educational platforms so what makes yeah. you different and what are you really setting out to achieve so the way I see it today, you know, there's this thing called, for example, the Institute of Functional Medicine or the Institute of Integrative Medicine, or um, there was even, you know, psychedelic support or fluence or third wave. And a lot of these companies, I'd say besides third wave, well, actually most of these companies, they really aim to train coaches. Um, they really aim to train facilitators and, and doctors. We want to make the average person confident enough to teach a course themselves. We want to actually create a movement where people can say, hey, I can get a job teaching people how to be human. And so we really want to be a consumer brand. We want to go directly to consumers. We want to be a mass market platform. And we want to train people who really want to learn how to be healthier people from, from, from really from the lens of biology. So turns out that your metabolism and your energy production and your social relationships are probably the biggest levers for longevity that you have because the biological imperative is to survive through finding energy and gathering and storing energy resources and also reproducing. Whether you have kids or not, you have a reproductive drive, you have a sex drive, you have literally this motivational force that drives people together to create proximity, which is called love. And that proximity is where we exchange information and, and resources, but also proximity enhances the chances of reproduction. And then we create attachment because attachment is actually a survival ad adaptation of humanity. And when attachment gets disturbed, we actually see all sorts of mental health dysfunction downstream. So what we're aiming to do is say, look, there are a lot of companies that are going to try to treat addiction. They're going to try to treat depression. They're going to try to treat all of these conditions of despair through drugs. But honestly, the real way you fix these problems is you actually 
figure out why they are solved. Like, why are they caused in the first place? Largely depression, in my opinion, and addiction. If you look at most people who experience depression and addiction, they often have a history of trauma. They often have a major life change, major status loss, loss of a job, loss of a relationship. They often, I mean, these are major threats to their core survival and core like reproductive drives, right? When you lose a partner, it literally threatens this core part of your programming. And so what we do is we say, we're looking at biology differently than the healthcare system. We're looking at biology from the lens of biology and evolutionary biology to begin with. And we think that people can learn this. Like we don't think that you have to be a doctor to learn this information. We believe that you, anybody can learn this information. And that if you learn this, you're gonna basically be a Jedi because you're gonna have the skills and the tools that most people don't have because most people weren't taught them. And then you can go off into your community and you can be a connector in your community and you can actually bring people together and you can help transform your community to be a stronger tight-knit group. And we believe that this is going to be a pathway to help heal, heal our country. Um, the way I'm kind of seeing it is like, a lot of people think that you need to be a doctor or a nurse or a therapist to heal. And I just patently disagree with this. I think that most people get a lot of their support from their communities. They get a lot of support from their families. The problem is, is that most people aren't fully resourced when it comes to this knowledge. So we want to take all of this complexity from science, boil it down into some really simple, actionable tactics and give people a path where they can make more money too. So we'll probably naturally attract people who are in the coaching industry. I mean, we'll probably naturally attract people who have an interest in health, but our goal is to get people to propagate this as a tool that they can bring to their communities and they can have these resources that they can share with others. And then also be a part of a community, be a part of a bigger movement towards health. Got it. And so, you know, social connectedness and love, you know, it's a broad demographic. I think we sure. could all, all use this in our lives, but, yeah. you know, we find that with education in particular, it's really good to understand who your, yeah. your target audience is. Are you, are you, it doesn't sound like you're looking to, to target necessarily therapists or doctors. Do you have any sort of gauge, whether male, female, couples, single, sure. um, age? Male and female, for sure. This is like, we, if we were to only treat females or only treat males, we'd actually be causing a major imbalance in, in what people know in society, unfortunately. And there's already a problem there. Second of all, um, we really think that the best age group for this is going to be 20s to 40s, um, preferably people who are thinking about having families and, and actually want to have relationships, but are maybe, you know, uh, maybe don't have this, the, the knowledge or the skills there, or maybe they're like, they're thinking about their future. They're thinking about what do they want for their lives? Um, because a lot of what this is, is like a human one-on-one, it's like a human one-on-one course. There's also quite a lot of money in, it turns out in the field of parents. So there's a lot of parents who want their kids to be properly educated and properly aware of how to be a healthy adult. So we do think that there's possibility of even targeting parents potentially. Um, I mean, our brand is going to be a little edgy, right? Cause we are going to be talking about psychedelics. So we do need to toe a, a healthy line between what are we going to be promoting and what are we going to be not promoting? Because we definitely don't want to, you know, offend people, but we think that people are, people are essentially using psychedelics, whether, whether the world, whether they're legal or not. And so we believe that we should be someone educating the world on how to use them intentionally. Um, but they're not the only tool in the toolbox that we're going to be recommending. In fact, they're not the first tool we would recommend. Um, I mean, I've been to psychedelic events where even before we even took a psychedelic, everybody started feeling like they were high just on social connection. Like we want people to know that that's possible, that you, you can be completely sober. And when you're deeply connected to others, you are literally like, you can actually activate the same neurotransmitters as what you get when you take MDMA, which is pretty fucking cool. So, um, we, we do see it being a younger age group. Um, and we definitely don't anticipate this being a super expensive program. Ideally, like the goal is this can, this is actually going to be affordable for people. And if it's affordable, it's more scalable. And if it's more scalable, then we can get more people onboarded. Got it. And so obviously you have a lot of knowledge in your head on, on this particular topic, but all every, education is all about content, right? Putting it in a format that makes sense. So where are you actually at with building the actual curriculum and the content? And you expect that this is something that would be delivered in person, virtual, you know, what, yeah. what does the format look like? So it's likely going to be a virtual learning platform with um, on online or in-person integration groups, depending on the community, depending on how many people are signed up in a community. Um, obviously, most people are getting their education online today. So if we can get people to meet in person, we do really want to encourage people to form groups in their communities because nothing replaces in-person connection. Um, but it might take a little while for us to get to that point. 
And then, um, and so initially it's going to be an on online platform. We're, we're actually looking at maybe four to five different education platforms to either work with and or build um, like white label some code and build it on our own WordPress platform. Um, we're also working with about 20 different students, either undergrads or grad students right now that are helping us um, with the second half of the curriculum, the connection piece of the course. So the connection piece is all about social connection, social disconnection, things that can drive social connection, things that can um, cause social disconnection. Um, and then the sexuality piece of the course, the, the piece on love and romantic love, dopamine, talking a lot about addiction. And then we'll be going into um, attachment and different forms of attachment uh, dysfunction, as well as how do you enhance secure attachment. Um, and then the other side of the course is based on the course I taught at Stanford. Um, I taught this course three times at Stanford. It's called Live Better Longer, Extending Health Span for Longer Lifespan. And that, that part of the course is already written and it's basically in the process of being highly edited down into a much more condensed version of the course because it's really designed for a Stanford Ivy League student. Um, and we want this to be more mass market. So we're basically taking that and we're deeply, deeply cutting it back into a course that's a lot more um, digestible for the average human. And so that one's basically done. That just needs editing. And the other one is in the process of being, um, being finished. And so we've got amazing team of, of students helping us and, and multiple um, consulting clubs at universities that are helping us. And so we've got about a team of, I'd say probably around 20, 20 to 30 people now helping the company, which is pretty exciting. Got it. And so um, on the education side, I, you mentioned protocols and, and obviously protocols are kind of a, a hot word in the psychedelic industry. Kind of the, the extra pharmacological aspects of these compounds is very important to yeah. have the right set and setting and have the right protocols. In the context that you're speaking, are, are you talking about kind of more a day-to-day -day broader protocol, not necessarily related to psychedelic medicines, or is this a, a oh. very specific protocol that you, you yeah. mentioned potentially licensing it out to bio, biotech? So could you talk sure. a little bit more about like what you mean by a protocol? So right now we have two main protocols and working on a third. And the first one is a protocol that I designed personally around ketamine-assisted therapy. And it's essentially like a individualized protocol that's designed for, you know, a person that's going through sublingual ketamine therapy. And it's about 37 pages. It's extremely in-depth. It involves preparation. It involves mindset. It involves lifestyle change. And it involves um, creating the proper set and setting for the experience, music playlists, and then a mass amount of integration tools. Um, and it's really thorough. And what we're doing now is we're developing a second protocol for um, romantic relationships. So a protocol that can be used for two individuals to basically deepen their secure attachment between themselves. So it's de designed for committed relationships, particularly. Um, the third protocol we're working on is a protocol for groups. And it's essentially a protocol for increasing pro-social connections between groups to help people feel more bonded to a community and to be more intentional about how people are using psychedelics in community because I think a lot of people are pretty haphazard, at least the way I've seen it. A lot of people are just like randomly going out to parties and concerts and just popping, you know, different mushroom pills and chewing on mushrooms. And it's kind of just, it's just like a recreational endeavor. But we're what we're really wanting to help train people around is how can you use psychedelics very intentionally to connect with your friends and family in a deeper way and to create a more secure relationship between your community so that you can have better outcomes in all of your relationships. So these are different contexts. These are different relationships. And so there's a relationship you have with yourself. There's a relationship you have with your partner and there's a relationship you have with the community around you. And we believe that psychedelics for social connection and for pro-social behavior and for even enhancement of, of human attachment can be, um, can be actually used for longevity enhancement. Got it. And so I have a lot more questions about the education pillar, but we only have so many times. So I want to move to the next pillar, which is your your media side. So you've yeah. you've built a tremendous following on Clubhouse. For those of you that don't follow her on, on Clubhouse, you def definitely should check it out. Lots of really good good content. Um, so I assume the audience that you're looking to target for your media platform would be similar to your educational platform. Yeah, I mean, what I I mean when I think about really really inspiring media today. I think about people like Jay Shetty, who's got the number one podcast on iTunes for health. And what I like about his content is he's aiming 
to literally give you an emotional connection to a real world problem that is affecting people, right? Like the way that people treat one another in, in negative ways has real consequences on people's psychology. And so what we wanna do is like take some of these scenarios that we're describing in our course and really use these scenarios to show people why they may benefit from taking a course that's essentially a human 101 training. Like, why would you wanna take a course like this? Like, have you ever experienced a conflict in this way? Um, like for example, I discovered this type of therapy called Imago therapy um, by Harville Hendricks and his wife. And it is astonishingly effective for any conflict because basically what it's about is like, instead of escalating a conflict by, you know, either fighting with someone or shutting down, what you do is you're approaching a person and actually just asking permission to talk to them at some point when they're free to, about what's going on and just like really engaging with them in a calm manner. And then when you're, when you're with them, you're like validated. You're basically, you want to mirror what they have been saying. So you want to like essentially do active listening, talk to them about why you understand that they are, have this conflict and, and, and really in their own words, and then be able to empathize with them and be able to validate their, their feelings. And when people feel seen and heard, their nervous systems go into a state of safety and they, they no longer react as much and they can actually resolve problems more effectively. So I thought this was just for romantic relationships, but I used this in a business conflict recently and I found it incredibly, incredibly effective. So we wanna show people that these simple tools and these simple strategies for resolving conflicts and actually optimizing your relationships can just really make your life better and make your relationships better. And the quality of your relationships determines the quality of your life. And what a lot of people don't realize is that you would basically have this thing called an allostatic load burden. Your burden of stress on your body literally drains your energy capacity on a cellular level. So when you experience significant psychosocial stress, you basically drain your batteries. And when you drain your batteries, you do not have the kind of energy left over to do the things that you need to do. Anybody who's had a very rough day or had a very large conflict with someone knows that you ruins your day, right? Like when, when you get emotional about something, your whole day just gets thrown out the window. And that does not have to be our lives. If we have better skills and tools that frankly, I don't get, I have, I have been to therapists before. No, never once has a therapist sat down with me and explained to me, like, here is a specific strategy you can use for this kind of thing. Like mostly they just sit and listen to you talk. And what we're aiming to do is say, look, like there are literally books and books and books written about all these things. Nobody has time to read these books. So we're going to simplify them for you. We're going to take out everything that's really actionable and we're going to boil it down in a way that you can understand. We're going to show you scenarios of how you can use it. And over time, you're going to meet with these groups of people and you're going to be able to share what you've learned with people around you. But the purpose of the media is to, we're going to go out and we're going to interview these people that wrote these books. We're going to take these scientists, these therapists, these doctors, these researchers, we're going to bring them onto our platform and we're going to actually talk to them directly about what they created and how they got to that place. Because we think it's, it's, it's not just enough to teach this stuff. We want to make it human. We want to really bring a sense of humanity to like the reasoning of why did this get added to the course? Like, why was this important to this, this doctor? Why did, why did they make their, why did they build their lives around this topic? And I think that people are just hungry for good, solid content that's really meaningful and actionable, but it's, we're not gonna be able to put everything we want to put in one course. In fact, this course is going to be probably too long to begin with. So we actually may have to break it up into two separate courses and offer it at two separate times because there's just so much content about being human. But, um, but we think we can we can really position ourselves as a really novel new brand with a different angle on health than really we were taught. And I think our angle is just so well grounded in in science that like people want this, you know, and people want this more, I think, than they want a lot of the hand wavy surface level superficial crap that's out there. They want deep knowledge, but they don't want it delivered in like in like a white paper. They can't most people don't want to read a bunch of medical literature like I do. They want things delivered to them in ways that they can they can be actionable. And honestly, we think that we can give that to them through our media. Yeah. And, and I like what you said, that this is really applicable in a lot of different contexts, including business. I used to be in a business group called Vistage and, you know, it would they would bring in coaches and talk about, you know, active listening, you know, yeah. and, you know, being present and, and empathy. And, and these are all skills that they were really teaching in the context of business. Yeah. But when I came home to my, my, my girlfriend that I was living with at the time, you know, these tools were actually extremely helpful in all contexts. At the end of the day, when you're talking about relationships, it's not just a, a, a you know, a, a love partner or oh. anything. It really reaches to, to friends 
family, business people. And so there certainly are a set of tools that could be applied in all of those different contexts. So since we're running low on time, I do want to make sure we have a good discussion on the consumer products. I'm sure a lot of the listeners really want to understand a little bit better when you when you're referring to MDMA like nutraceuticals that are legal. it, It certainly piques my interest. I've personally had absolutely transformational experiences with MDMA. I've felt that level of love and connectedness. So the idea of having a a nutraceutical that even comes close to to doing, to to opening up your heart the way MDMA does sounds very exciting, but I am very, very skeptical. So I'd like to just understand when you say MDMA-like, is it actually psychoactive or or what is it about it that makes it MDMA? It's going to activate 5-HT2A. So let's get real. We're not going to sell a psychedelic because that would be illegal. But we can upregulate dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, and oxytocin. So I'm very fortunate to be connected to some of the best formulators in the world. And also having been a doctor to many executives, I created custom compounded nutraceuticals for the last 10 years. So I've been basically customizing supplements to human bodies for like 10 years. It's one of the secret skills that I have. And um, last year, I actually created a, 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 for, a supplement formula um, that was a tool for fighting COVID. It was also for longevity. And if you got sick when you were with COVID, you could take two doses of the, of the packets and it would actually upregulate your immune system. So it was prevention, treatment, and longevity. It was a really pretty cool supplement. I probably shouldn't have sold the company, but I wanted to start a Damo. So might have to bring back that formula because it's a really good one. But um, anyway, long story short, I've always loved supplements since I was in high school. And I remember the first time I took ephedra in high school, I thought I was like, there was definitely felt like feeling like I was on cloud nine. Now, ephedra got banned, sadly. Um, it was definitely too effective of a supplement. And we do need to be careful with the FDA because we don't want to be in trouble. But it turns out that there are a certain things that are on the market today that do enhance um, the release of these neurotransmitters and some block reuptake as well. So essentially what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, coming up, I'm coming up with a preliminary formula on my own. And then I'm working with this guy, Sean Wells, who I'm just starting to engage with next week. He's a dear friend of mine. And one of the, is literally the world's like number one formulator. Um, We're starting our relationship out with just like iterating on our formula that we have right now. But then he has an entire team of a hundred researchers in China, believe it or not, that can even develop new ingredients. If we decide that's something we want to do in the future Um, that costs, you know, many millions to do, but not that much. I think it's maybe one to 2 million to do a new ingredient. Um, but we think that we have enough with just off-the-shelf ingredients that we can put, that we can really create something that um, that you can feel. Now, the downside of being able to feel something like an MDMA-like thing is, you know, you there may be a little bit of a lull the next day. You're not going to necessarily feel bad, but you're not going to feel like you're not going to feel like as good as you did while you were on it. Um, but we don't think that everyone will experience this effect. We think that most people are actually going to feel just fine after they take it. But there is a small population of people when they take this one of the ingredients, they definitely like aren't good candidates for it. Just like any drug, there's some people just aren't going to be good candidates for it. Um, So people who already have existing problems with MDMA may not actually want to take this. Um, But we and we definitely don't want we're not going to be recommending anybody anybody on SSRIs take this this drug. It's not really a drug. Technically, it's a nutraceutical. Um, But. Essentially, um, I discovered that there's ingredients in in like regularly consumed beverages, which I'm not I'm not going to give away the secret sauce. But there's this well, regularly consumed beverage that people consume all the time that actually has um, the ability to release oxytocin. And one of the benefits of MDMA, one of the reasons why people get such a bonding effect from it, is the oxytocin release. So when I discovered, I'd already nailed the serotonin, the dopamine, and the norepinephrine, and the serotonin. So I nailed the three sort of love chemicals. But I was really struggling figuring out how to get oxytocin upregulated. And then I went to a, um, believe it or not, I went to a conference in Utah and it was a, um, it was a mastermind. And I was telling some people about my ideas and what I was working on. And she was like, you got to try these two ingredients. And I was like, oh my God, you've literally solved the missing link in this formula. So sometimes it just like things just come to you because you're just putting the, the energy out there. And we're really, um, we're really, we really believe that this is not going to be like a daily supplement you take. Like we're not going to sell it and recommend it's taken every day. We're going to be giving a protocol with it. We're going to actually put a protocol on our website, a protocol. We're going to have a QRS link on the back of the um, package. that says, Hey, if you really want to make the most of this, follow our protocol. And ideally what we want to do is like 
reach an audience of people who are maybe too afraid to take MDMA, but are really curious. And they want something that says, oh, this thing is, this thing is like, this is thing is for consumers that have, you know, it's, it's, it, it, they're not going to see it the same way they see MDMA. And so we think that we can actually get people interested in the psychedelic space even before MDMA and psilocybin are approved. Got it. And so you mentioned before that you do want to have a whole, a whole line of, of different products, but you know, what, what are you really focusing for? I, I think the first product is just so important. Well, we, because it's so, so core to the brand. I mean, my name is Dr. Molly. So like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, we're, we're you might want to change the name of the company to Dr. Molly. We're basically doing that. <laughs> and I'm just working on the trademarks right now. So <laughs> this, don't go trademark my name. Uh, uh, if you, in fact, if you have a good trademark lawyer, I have, there's like the trademark Dr. Molly just ran out. And so somebody didn't renew it and I'd really like to renew it. Like my law firm does trademarks. So all right, well, I need to engage with you guys. <laughs> but yeah, every, I, I, I've been really hesitant to call it Dr. Molly, but everybody and all my girlfriends and all these friends of my other investors are like, you got to do it. You just have to do it. It's too good. And I was like, I know, because when you think about Molly, you think about, it's so funny. You think about being warm and connected. You feel like Molly is this feeling of love, connection, empathy, passion, sensuality, feeling good, you know, feeling like a sense of unity, you know, and it's, it's a good, it's a really good brand. So I'm, I'm stoked about it personally. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the word Molly, obviously we all know what it, it means in kind of the illegal context, but it does have kind of a, a fun and, and kind of inviteful, yeah, ring yeah. to it. So that, that, that's really beautiful. So, so on your first product, you know, you mentioned like potentially yeah. a product for sex, product, but what, what is like your first product pill form? How often are people taking it? You know, give us some more information. Yeah. What are you going to address in this I first mean, we're definitely trying to decide if we want to do pills or powder, like a drink, for example, like something you would add to liquid or like, or just, just a pill or a gummy. Um, I mean, people love gummies, but it's, we're going to be packing quite a lot of ingredients into one gummy. So it may not just work that way. Um, so that, that is definitely what we're thinking about right now is, is pill form. Um, I know there's a lot of companies that are coming up with drinks. I'm not opposed to a, a beverage, but I, do you think that that encourages consistent, like it encourages a lot more use. And we really want this to be, we really want to train people not to see this as something that you would like overconsume. We want you to use this appropriately according to our directions. So I think pills would probably make the most sense. And a quick warning about beverages. They are very, very challenging. They take yeah. up a huge amount of volume. So shipping yeah. costs and everything. We totally. generally try to stay away from beverages. I agree. Very, very challenging. Um, so I know we're running out of time. I'm going to have a couple more questions and then we're going to open up to the audience. So if the audience has any more questions, you can just drop them. I see we have a couple so far. So if you have any questions, just drop them in the comments. So I guess my last and final question would be the the, the distribution strategy on this. You, you mentioned doctor's offices. I don't know if you were saying you would want to distribute through doctor's office. Will it be online? How do you plan to distribute your products? Yeah. I mean, ideally it will be online first. Um, and as we build our following and as we build our network of facilitators, we also anticipate that people will want to distribute it through their networks. Um, and then, um, you know, there's we there's a great agency out in Austin called Levitate that we want to work with, and they launch all the newest consumer brands. Um, and then we're working on we're actually like interviewing a bunch of branding agencies right now for our rebrand. So we're really aiming this to be um, digital first. I know it is challenging, but that's where people's eyeballs are. So, um, I mean, I've seen it done really well. Now, I do have um, people in Austin that are surprisingly building these amazing networks of uh, facilitators. One of my friends has, a, has literally a network of 6,000 facilitators um, and doctors and, and therapists that she provides uh, microdosing to. So we are definitely looking at a lot of what's called co-optition, where we work alongside other brands and we, we help, you know, we basically want to help everybody in the space around us. We want to really give everyone around us a chance to succeed. And we also want to help, we want to help have other people help us. So we're tapping into other friends of ours networks. We'll do a lot of co-promotion through a lot of other brands that we're friends with. Um, so, you know, brand partnerships is really my forte. Um, I have a book coming out next year. And part of the reason, part of the way that I'm, I'm actually promoting the book is I'm promoting it through all these podcasts and all these other brands that I work with. And I've got hundreds of brands that I'm friends with. So the goal is to really do a lot of co-promotion through other companies, do a lot of our own personal ad buying, develop our own ad advertisements that are based on the sort of educational media that we aim to promote, that we aim to really like push out. 
and then through our course. So many different channels. Awesome. Well, I have a lot more questions, but I want to make sure we have a couple minutes just to take some of the audience questions. So you've made it through my part of the hot seat. We'll see what kind of questions the audience has. So first question is from D. Uh, it is, what are the greatest challenges you see for society to accept psychedelics as more than recreational? What about the FDA? Yeah. I mean, I think that psychedelics, um, frankly, have been really since the beginning of time used for human connection. They've been used in a ritualized context. They were used actually in pagan polytheistic religions and they were commandeered um, by monotheistic religions. And then the psychedelics were taken out and the rituals remained. So these, believe it or not, are baked into our history. And I think what we need to do is just remind people that these are not new. These, we actually co-evolved with these. And so um, I do think that the FDA is, you know, obviously they have a responsibility to keep people safe, but arguably, if you actually just look at the, the, the frank numbers on psychedelics, they are far, far, far less dangerous than alcohol or cigarettes in terms of causing real damage to health. They're far more dangerous than cocaine and heroin. They're far more dangerous than fentanyl and Oxycontin and a lot of these over the, all, a lot of these, frankly, prescription opioids that have killed more people than all wars that we have fought. Um, all Americans that have all that have died in all wars were more of them were killed by opioids. So the way I see it is a lot of people don't trust the FDA anymore. A lot of people have lost trust in the government. They've lost trust in the healthcare system. They've felt duped during this pandemic. And I think people are searching for answers outside of the healthcare system today. And arguably what I'm seeing is Austin is a epicenter of culture right now, as well as LA and Miami. And these are three cities where, and I would say San Francisco and New York as well, but all of these cities are epicenters of culture change around psychedelics and Boulder and Denver and Oregon. And, you know, there is a movement happening around this country of decriminalization. And the reason why a lot of these things are being decriminalized and the reason why the DEA doesn't even have a department on controlling mushrooms like they do on marijuana and other control substances is they don't consider these a threat because they know that like the worst case scenario is somebody has a really bad trip. Now, if you have a family history of psychosis, um, you most definitely should not be taking mushrooms and you should, be, should not be touching psychedelics. Like they are not healthy for people who are at risk for psychotic diseases, for the psychotic breakdowns. I do know people with bipolar disorder who do ketamine um, for helping treat their condition and they are, they're flourishing with it. Now, um, I do think that like, we are definitely going to be positioning ourselves as a company that's psychedelic friendly and that has a, a deep, deep interest in teaching people about psychedelics. But our aim is always and always will be about um, harm reduction and optimizing human health. And we believe that social connection is a path to optimizing health and that, you know, we're, we're working on a white paper right now to really demonstrate that enhancing social connections enhances health and longevity and reduces mental illness. So that's really our angle. And we want to be deeply invested as long as possible in contributing to the research and supporting the researchers and promoting the researchers that are producing the really good evidence on around this field. Yeah. And what I always say for breaking stigma is, you know, my approach is always it's twofold. It's number one, either decriminalize and legalize or, and or legalize. And then number two, educate. Yes. Part of the problem when it's illegal, what happens when you get an illegal chocolate mushroom there's not label requirements. There's not good manufacturing practices. There's not a website where you could use, you know, learn the proper use of it, right? I when you, tell you yeah. to yeah. the light, you allow people to educate their consumers about the proper way to use them. And I think if we legalize, contrary to what some of the politicians might say, that if we legalize, you know, we're going to have people jumping off of buildings. I actually think we're going to see a lot less of that. Oh when we legalize, people will be educated and know how to properly use these companies. I mean, the beginning of the marijuana boom was a, I mean, I lived in Oakland when like in 2011. So it was definitely the beginning. There were definitely dispensaries. There was underground marijuana like clubs that eventually became above ground clubs when things got decriminalized. And I was there for all of it. And I saw how people were producing products that had variable dosing and people were getting accidentally way too high on marijuana. And it was a big problem. Now, the quality and the consistency of the products that exist are so much different. I mean, 10 years later, it is a different world. Like the products are just consistent and that's because the consumers demanded it and they decided like th there was a lot more regulation and arguably there's going to be, I don't, I don't think it's, 
I don't think it's definitive, but I would say my gut tells me that we will see in our lifetime mushrooms decriminalized and regulated as consumer products. And there are companies that I am friends with that are making millions of dollars a month on selling underground mushrooms. It is astonishing what is happening. This, this is such a big industry that it's only going to eventually have pressure to decriminalize and just like marijuana. Now it's going to take some concerted effort on policymaking. Like we need to, we actually need to get a lobbying group together, but it doesn't seem like anyone in the psychedelic space really wants to do any lobbying, which is a big shame because we're not actually going to see the change we need to see without policy changes. So I'm hoping that we can galvanize a group of people of investors and, and, and company CEOs to really come together and just go to DC and just like go to Capitol Hill. I've lobbied before. I lobbied for healthcare reform when I was in medical school. It's not fun, but it needs to be done. We actually need to, um, we need to go to different state governments. We need, I actually am talking to a group of people in Texas and we need to go to the Texas Capitol and we need to really start talking to these lawmakers because we're doing more harm than good by making these things underground. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. All right. Down to the next question for 20 RX. And this is a bit of a hot question. Um, I highly respect psychedelics. Is there a foundation outside of what feels like MLM? So I think she's referring to multi-level marketing and it does kind of have some negative connotation. There's definitely no multi-level in this marketing platform. There's not going to be one person recruiting another person and making money off that person they recruit. Um, if you recruit other people to the platform, that other person can make money, but that person who recruited them is not going to get a kickback. So it's single level, it's affiliate marketing. So affiliate marketing is widely respected, um, highly profitable, extraordinarily effective. And frankly, anyone who has ever worked with Compass Real Estate has worked with a multi-level marketing company. So it's funny that people, like we don't consider this to be a multi-level, it's single level. Um, And we really aim for it to be like, Hey, if you really like this and you want to teach this, you can make money. Um, but you're not going to make more money by recruiting someone else to, to come to the platform. Um, it's it's really aimed to be like, if you want to be a part of this mission, like we will encourage you because we want, if you're going to teach, you should be paid to, pay to be a teacher. Um, but I also have seen, you know, law firms, for example, um, where there's one person who owns a law firm and they have a bunch of people who work under them and they do get revenue from all the people that work for them. So like, it's really effective um, marketing, but it's not the same thing as multi-level. Multi-level marketing is like Herbalife or, um, or you know, Prove It. And these are companies that have, if you recruit someone, then you make more money. And if they recruit someone that you make more money and it ends up being a pyramid scheme. Um, we, are not, we are not designed that way. Although we do believe that you can make money off of network marketing. It's just not the same as multi-level marketing. Yeah. And just to be clear, multi-level marketing, I know it has negative connotation. There are ways that it's actually a highly regulated space. They've put Ordinarily out, regulated. Yeah. So they put regulations about around multi-level marketing and we've represented multi-level marketing companies. And when done correctly, um, there's really not really a, 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 a negative or even ethical or legal issue around multi-level marketing. But there are a lot of multi-level marketing firms that don't play within the right uh, yeah. rules and and obviously those are the bad bad actors. So on yeah. to the next question. So next one is from John L. I'm finishing my psych NP and I've been interested in nutraceuticals for some time. What molecules are you looking at? I'm I'm assuming you might have to say this is the secret sauce and it's confidential, but I mean, eventually we'll find out when we actually launch it. But let's say that there are um, there's a lot of herbs and nootropics. So it's a mixture of herbs and nootropics that can enhance health. Um, so that's what I'm going to leave you at. But a lot of these are derivatives of plants, by the way. So even if they aren't herbs directly, they're, they're extracts of different plants and different substances that are coming from plants. So we're aiming to get this to be as plant-based as possible. But, um, but we do, because we do know that just there's a huge market in just the marketing term plant-based. Um, but I do do have, I mean... I am definitely all over the internet talking about nootropics because I've been a part of the biohacking community for like a long time, I'm writing a book on biohacking for women. So nootropics are definitely one of my fortes, but I'm partial to plant-based. Um, I've always been more, I've always had more of a plant-based bent to my practice. Um, it was really interesting. I don't think I properly explained why, part of the reason why I, I decided to leave the pharmaceutical realm, but for any investors listening, um, when you get involved with pharma, you're basically working with the mafia. And so I learned that after a year of working with people in the pharmaceutical industry, 
that I didn't like the people that I was working with. And I was like, I'm going to be basically living this life for the next 10 years. And if I don't enjoy the people that I work with, then I'm not going to really enjoy my life. So part of the reason why I did make the shift was a, just like the time horizon of being, bringing a drug to market is way too long. And the, I would basically be spending my life fundraising, which I actually love fundraising, but, um, but it's not how I want to expend my existence. And, um, and the other part of it was pharma is not fun. Like it's just not a, it's not an enjoyable environment to work in. Like you have to be really made for it. And personally, um, it's Jeff, it's Jeff, the supplement space, having been to pharma conferences and been to supplement conferences, supplement conferences are just a joy to, to attend. People are so nice. They are good people. They're solid people. Pharma conferences are pretty hit or miss. Like you're not really sure you really want to be around these people or talk to them. So um, that's just my recommendation for anyone investing out there. I'm not saying you shouldn't invest in pharma. I definitely hold stock in pharma companies, but um, it is not a friendly world. Absolutely. We got another question from Becky Meadows. Do you plan on creating a human 2.0? I think its initial growth is, growth is so important, but I wonder how you plan yeah. to connect with the audience on a long-term basis. Oh my God, for sure. So like even the human 101 metabolism course is like the baseline of health, right? But it is not a lot of the stuff that I know. Like it is a very, like it covers a ton of topics, but there are still so many other topics that I would love to cover that I think people should get to have access to that you shouldn't have to go to a doctor to get this knowledge. So I want to cover all sorts of things like hormones, optimization, thyroid optimization, um, detox and people think detoxification is crap, but actually it's very effective in helping you optimize your health. So I want to do definitely a next level for health optimization and things that you would maybe go to a functional doctor for, but you could get, you know, you basically do, do it yourself. A lot of people do it themselves anyway. Um, and then the second piece would be, um, yeah, like I do think that the, the human, like purpose and meaning is something that I've really, really invested in for like a very long time. And I don't think I would be where I am today if I hadn't spent enormous amount of time in my twenties asking myself, who am I, who am I, where am I going and why? Um, I've attended various events, conferences, workshops taught at Esalen Institute, which is one of the, which basically the birthplace of the human potential movement. So I'm really obsessed with how people tell the narrative story of their life with human mythology, with, um, you know, like, how do you tell, like, how, how does your life fit within the monomyth of Joseph Campbell? So I think there's so much that we can do to not only just optimize human energy and optimize human relationships, but help people apply their knowledge to creating a deeper sense of purpose in their lives. Whether that purpose is raising a family, whether that purpose is um, building a company, um, whether that purpose is being an artist, like, I really want to help people. I think meaning and purpose are really deficient today. And that's why a lot of people are unhappy and are leaving their corporate jobs is they don't feel connected to something greater than themselves. So what we aim to do with this platform is in a lot of ways, be like a secular alternative to what religion used to offer, which was community connection, meaning, um, and, and do it through the lens of science. But, you know, we're not definitely, we're definitely not a cult. So don't call me that. Um, but I do think that people are looking for places that can offer some of the benefits that they got from, from their communities and from their churches growing up, but without the indoctrination, without the sense of um, having to, like one of the things that really always got me about Landmark Forum is like people were basically forced to recruit others to the forum. Like we will not have any very intense recruitment practices at all. We will have such a great product that people will be like, I want to spread this. This is so good. Like this changed my life. I want other people to know that my life was changed by this. That's the best kind of marketing you can make. And so I, I just like, I really, really want to be the kind of platform that offers people a place they can go and like really flourish. And human flourishing has been like, science of human flourishing has been my career. So it's really quite fun to be able to turn it into a whole platform. Awesome. Well, we're at the top of the hour. So we're going to take the last question. We're going to answer it quickly. Is this available outside the USA? I, I assume he's referring to the products. Will you be distributing, distributing them outside the USA? I mean, I sure hope so. I mean, I know that I get certain supplements from Norway and they have to be shipped DHL. And my friend who's selling them is like finding it very challenging to get them out to, I mean, I know it can be a bit of a, a, a pain to get them to other countries, but I mean, certainly Canada will aim for, um, we'll, we'll definitely be rolling out in America first, but then we'll try to roll out to other countries. Obviously we have to follow different regulations. There's like certain regulations in Europe that we're going to have to look into, um, and make sure, but I mean, I'd love to get this to Australia, pretty much any country that's friendly towards this kind of stuff. We want to get it to, um, 
you know, obviously I do worry about supply chains too. So that's something we're deeply thinking about is like, you know, right, right now I'm working with one of the biggest importers of one of the, one of the main ingredients um, in, um, in Africa. And so, you know, I'm very fortunate to be deeply well connected to the space, but we, we do need to anticipate that, like, you know, we're going to try to service our country first, um, mostly because I think America needs the most help. And then I'll go, go into other countries next. Awesome. Well, I want to thank the audience for your questions. And I want to thank Dr. Molly Malouf. You made it through the investor hot seat. You did a great job. We appreciate it. And want to let everyone know we will we do these every other Thursday. So not this coming Thursday, but the following Thursday, we will be having CEO Damien from Clairvoyant uh, on our show, which they're doing psilocybin for AUD. So that should be another good show. Make sure you, you tune in. Molly, thank you so much for joining us. You did a great job. Thank you. Also, if anybody wants to email me, feel free to email me at molly at adamabioscience.com. Thank you. Have a good one, everyone.